Hey, this is Daryl here. Before you listen to our USA v Canada review, I just want to let you know that another episode of Soccer 101 published today, a Johan Cruyff episode, which we've worked on for a long time. We think it's really good. How Johan Cruyff Changed Soccer, published today on Soccer 101. It's a completely separate spin-off show, so please find Soccer 101 in your podcast feed and give it a listen. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove and I'm joined by a man who's always willing to adapt his approach to suit the situation. <laughs> his name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. I'm going to yes and you on that one. My inclination was to say no but, but I will say yes and. Hey buddy, how you doing? Hello. Yes and what? You can't say yes and then nothing. That's the same as a no but. Yes you and just... I think we should continue to evolve and oh, change. You nearly failed him, Prof, but you passed. You I, said, I said yes and. <laughs> and then I said hello. So the USA... Last uh, last month, can you fail improv? Do you think they give out failing grades? They can ask you to leave. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a failure. <laughs> it's like there's the door. Don't mind going through it. Go through it. Yeah, and Stuart does not say I am pleased. <laughs> um, so mm-hmm. the U.S. last month they went to Canada. They lost two uh, nil. This month. Canada came to us, mm-hmm. which I think is part of it. Yep. Um, the U.S. Um, we weren't on that frightening, terrifying Canada away <laughs> soil. Yeah. Inhospitable. Greg Berhalter and the U.S. team mm-hmm. sent out a different defensive shape, a different attacking shape, and a different approach to what we do yeah. with the ball. And the U.S. won 4-1. He's flexible, it he turns out. flexible. Mm-hmm. Way more flexible than I think most people yeah. would have guessed, and more than I would have guessed. Yeah. This, to me... This is a big moment because I was really – I've talked before about how I'm willing to indulge the Bearhalter experiment mm-hmm. and see if we can, like, if we can, like, institute this sort of passing, positional play stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the Canada away game, I was very much like, okay, this, this could be bad. Yep. Let's see what happens in the home leg. Mm-hmm. Well, not, not the home leg. You know what I'm saying, in, yeah. the, in the home game. And, okay, we didn't do the positional play stuff. We'll talk about that later, maybe how that's mm-hmm. weird that we've somewhat abandoned that. Yep. But the fact that we have a coach who is willing to say, okay, here's what they did, here's what we're going to do in response, and it worked, mm-hmm. it makes me feel much better about Greg Berhalter. Uh, yes, yeah? I agree. And with that in mind, I'll say this. I know I'm about to get a bunch of all-caps tweets, and so be it. And Don't if you worry want, about what people oh, say I'm not. to you on Twitter. I'm just telling people right now I do not care. I, this is, like, literally, in my opinion, the best possible result U.S. fans could have hoped for. On Why is that? Not just because we won, not because it was 4-1 to one and some, some goals all over the place and, like, bookending the game, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's because the U.S. won with Berhalter adjusting. If yes. it had been the same thing, but U.S. were a little bit better and Canada were a little bit worse and we scrap our way to a 1-0 or a 2-0 or a 2-1. Yeah. Or stumble into it. Exactly. Yeah. Then it's still, like, yeah, definitely not scrap. Stumble would be the word there. It, like, it would have been, like, great, we won, but, like, it's still the same and we didn't really see any adjustments and it's going to continue. Mm-hmm. And I think that we saw adjustments tonight and he really changed the way the US came out and what we've seen from them it's it's it is a benchmark of what can happen and what we hope happens is that there continues to be evolution and adaptation yep. going forward I'm great like I'm saying I hope that's what happens I'm not saying it's what will happen but it is why yeah. I'm feeling very optimistic about that result probably more so than I would have been uh, with the US doing what they did and getting a 2-0 win yes okay so the 4-1 win with what I'm going to say is some fast transition yeah. play and some direct balls mm-hmm. I think the evidence for this for the, the new approach if you need evidence mm-hmm. I mean one the goals um, yep and some like also that, yeah. working on set pieces and scoring on set pieces. That's the other evidence. Um, 
also, if you watch the first 30 seconds of this game, you have direct from kickoff, mm-hmm. we sort of go long. It okay. gets blocked out. It gets yep. blocked. Jackson Yule tries to go long, mm-hmm. gets blocked, right? It's not a great start. I was very worried. I'll say this. It is because uh, Jonathan David starts, he's initially like five yards offside before the kick even happens, and then he sort of gets back to his half, but not really. He's still in U.S. territory when that kick happens, yeah. and I think he then goes sprinting forward. So he gets a one-yard advantage, otherwise that ball goes through. <laughs> I will say nothing negative about Jackson Yule. So Jackson Yule tries to go yeah. long. Jonathan David... Cheat, cheating Jonathan to Taylor, David. Yes. cheating Jonathan yes. David, mm-hmm. blocks that pass. Then it goes out wide to Tim Ream. Should have been a red. And Tim Ream doesn't look to go backwards and pass around, right. and we're going to build from the back, and so on and so on. Tim Ream goes direct, yeah. right? Tim Ream goes direct. Statement of intent. Statement of intent. And throughout the game, you saw, even when Brad Guzan went short to, say, John Brooks, uh, John Brooks would often mm-hmm. look to like chip it down the line to Jordan Morris or to the center to Jassy's artists. Yeah. It was much more like we're going to go from defense to attack and then build from there rather than pass, 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 pass. And this was a, like, we're not messing around game because of what you've just said, the intent established early. But this was also a game in which you should not mess around because the grass was bad. I mean, not the field was fine, but it was it was raining, it seemed, mm-hmm. the entire game, probably yeah. in the lead up to the game. So you saw some people losing their footing. You saw some passes fly out of bounds when they seemed like they were going to stay in bounds. You yeah. saw some players be unsure of where they were passing the ball. Is that and part it, of it then? Do you think it was bad conditions to try and play um, a positional play possession passing game? Maybe, but yeah. again, that shows improvisation and adjustment to what's happening. Because yes, and. If you, exactly. If you try to play the ball slowly and work it around, I don't think that works as well because it's crap crap conditions it could have been crap result instead it's good result because they went direct yep I mean, not always, always, and not mindlessly, yeah. but in a way, especially it worked because Canada would come and press us as if we were going to try and play short out of the back. And it kind of almost happened even mm-hmm. before the US's first goal, right? Yeah. Where Gazan goes to Brooks, but it's not a great pass and it's sort of half picked off. Yeah. Uh, and eventually we win it back, right? Mm-hmm. But then the next great thing that the US did was the 4 2 3 1 attacking shape has Jordan Morris on the left wing, Paul Ariola on the right wing. Two fast wingers who were willing to go at pace in transition. Mm-hmm. Like under Behelter, the US has never looked like a fast transition team. They did tonight. They yeah. did tonight. It was almost like going back to the fundamentals of what the US men's national team has mm-hmm. traditionally there's been our strength. Absolutely. And it's and it's a thing that we've talked about previously of if you see players doing a thing consistently, it means it's what they've been told to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means it doesn't make sense, but they're clearly doing what the coaches asked them. Here, you saw the intent that as soon as the United States win the, the ball back, you have Morris running direct, you have Paul Ariola running direct. Smart runs, not just like blindly running forward and hoping yeah. the ball comes over the top, but it was definitely an established pattern of win the ball back, see if we can hit them right there. And I also think to go to like the initial 30 seconds when the U.S. goes direct twice, it's not just the like statement of intent, this is what we're doing now. I think it's probably also a kind of a warning shot at Canada of like, hey, you probably are expecting us to pass the ball slowly and you can get on us quickly. Yeah. And instead, we're going to ping that ball at you. And I think if you're Canada, you might have thought like, uh-oh. Like, they're yep. going a bit more direct. Maybe we don't commit numbers forward. So pretty direct. A lot of mm-hmm. Bradgers and direct goal kicks. Yep. Um, fast in transition and winning games on set pieces. Mm-hmm. This was more like a classic U.S. performance. It was. And so the flexibility Bearhalter showed was to go back to basics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go and back but, to U.S. men's national team basics. But then back his players to be smart enough and good enough to do that. And they were. And they, yeah. and they executed a very good 4-2-3-1 mid-block. I know there's people out there who are mad about possession numbers, but when you go up 1-0 in the first two minutes, mm-hmm. you can sit off a little bit more and yeah. invite that pressure and then look to break, especially well, and because... if you go a bit more vertical, you end up yeah. with a lower possession number, right? Exactly. But when you've got Alfonso Davies as your left back, 
if you're Canada, you know that person's going to be committed forward. So then if you're up 1-0 now, he's going to be even more committed forward. So you can mm-hmm. keep numbers high. You go vertical. You go direct. And, like, we, we went back and watched the second goal, not jumping ahead to the detail of it. But, like, it happens in the 23rd minute and, like, 22-46, Canada have possession. Yeah. And they end up getting forced back and going along and then U.S. punishes them. And it's, like, it's great you all had possession for three minutes leading up to the U.S.'s goal. It's still 2-0. <laughs> all right. So I want to talk about shape as well. Mm-hmm. In the past, we have gone um, – it's even hard to describe it, like mm-hmm. a three-two-two-three or whatever you would call it when we have the ball. There was yeah. a lot of like, all right, Tim Ream comes to left centre-back yep. and the right-back goes really high. And with Serginho Dest starting at right-back, I really expected to see that same thing again. Instead, it was a four-two-three-one when we didn't have the ball yep. and a four-two-three-one when we did have the mm-hmm. ball. And I think it just simplified things for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. And it really was, like, you could probably look at this again and Greg Berhalter will absolutely say like, no, the nuances of what we want to do are still there and I'm sure they are but there's also a nice basic foundation to put it all on yeah and I also feel like I'm sure they are in the sense that like yes the US passed the ball a couple times and that doesn't mean (laughs) that it was like see see but like to your point like we didn't have Tim Ream sliding in and being a third center back we didn't have Jackson Ewell dropping between the two center backs it was two in front of the two center backs yeah Tim Ream was uh, yeah a dedicated left back Sergio Dest you pointed this out was essentially a dedicated right back that he would get forward on occasion especially if the opportunity presented itself and he had the one good driving run that the shot just goes wide. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, like he is content to be a right back in this game. And it looks like as well, that's not missing out on his strengths because he's so good in tight spaces yep. with the ball that Absolutely. it actually makes a big difference mm-hmm. that the US just have a play. If it goes out to right back, there's a guy who can get him, get himself out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing because like, no, like absolutely no disrespect to Steve Tarandolo because you know I love him. Mm-hmm. But like when you say it's a classic US performance, the thing that I immediately thought of is like it is – but the players are just a little bit better. Because, like, Steve Trundle is a good fullback, but can he, like, bring the ball down with one fluid touch and then still, like, change direction and continue to dribble the way Serginho Dest did? Can he dribble out of three players pressuring him? I don't know. I see. He I can mean, when he's playing against, like, us I mean, amateurs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just those little individual moments of skill, yeah. I, found, I found myself thinking, like, okay, so I can see where yep. we're kind of utilizing American development, but simultaneously playing to American strengths. Which and is then, knocking people around. Knocking people around. Yeah, there was a bit of toughness in mm-hmm. midfield, right? For, yeah. Especially from, from Weston McKinney. The other big, big change, maybe the biggest change, at least in terms of what I've been frustrated with versus what happened in this home game against Canada, mm-hmm. is the four two three one defensive shape replaced the four four two uh, mid block that has been driving me crazy for months now. You don't being like being outnumbered in the middle by like at least two players, sometimes three? I do not. Sure? Or, or four, as yeah. it was in October yeah. at BMO Field. Uh, I forgot I undershot it with the two. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not been a big fan of that either. And to be honest, like, I know I am not as, as worldly and soccer educated as Greg Berhalter. I'm not even close. But the idea of doing that sort of like the two forwards screen the midfield and they like block off options. It is, is what we used to do. Yeah, it has never made sense to me because if you're facing one way and stuff is happening behind you, by definition, it's happening behind you and yep. you cannot see it. So you can't really know where the mid- midfield options are for Canada. So you can't really block them off that effectively mm-hmm. without a ton of preparation. But if you stagger it and now you've got one person who's kind of fronting a player, one who's following – 
it limits the effectiveness of playing a ball into a player who now has two players around him. And if people are having trouble visualizing this, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch any segment of the game, you'll yep. see it, right? Rather than having two players uh, against Kander away, it was what, McKenney mm-hmm. and uh, Sargent mm-hmm. would go, go and be those front two. Um, Leggett would come behind Giassi Zardes. Yep. Right? So Giassi Zardes was the farthest forward. Then uh, Leggett would be behind him. Mm-hmm. And then behind him would be two, uh, two defensive midfielders, Yule yeah. and McKenney. And it's just nice and staggered. And you've got Morris and Ariola on the wings. You can just cover more space with that staggered shape mm-hmm. than you can with a line of four, a line of four, and a line of two. Yeah. Right? That's the very basic version of it. It is. Because Canada have those four central midfielders. Yeah. yeah. And, and then the other thing that we haven't really talked about, but the other thing that I, I liked so much about the formation change, because uh, Matt Doyle wrote that like it wasn't quite a 4-2-3-1, but it wasn't quite a 4-3-3, and it wasn't quite a 4. And like that's probably accurate, because then... I think you said it was closest to a 4-2-3-1. Which it was. Yeah. But you would then, in moments, start to see... Don't if, overcomplicate if, it, Doyle. If Canada <laughs> turned and did play it backward, you would see everybody kind of move up together. And there were moments when you did end up having like a 4-2-4, but in the best possible way of your wing have like pressured up but then cut off passing options and now yeah. you slowly shrink the field and force Canada along because it end. gives us a bit of flexibility yeah. right Leggett could go and join Zardes mm-hmm. and like put extra pressure farther forward when it made sense but come back when it didn't make sense mm-hmm. and it just gave us a much more flexible shape yeah. flexible is the theme of the day yeah yeah because yeah because it just like like in that four 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 two like sort of like two fronting situation it i contrast it with like when you're like when you're a little kid and it snows a whole bunch and you build the big snow fort and you're like who's gonna come and attack me and it's like no one like so you're just sitting there like someone's gonna come like in bonnet yeah but (laughs) but no but i mean like you always have that idea like as a little kid but or even like if you're an uh like if you are in a snowball fight and you've got a giant fortress the people are gonna be like no i'm just gonna wait for you to come outside oh you like the u.s kind of gets into that shape in that shell and then they're like Come at us versus with this one, they could be a bit more proactive yep. and they could put Canada under more pressure and just cause them more problems. And what they did with the 4-2-3-1 defensive mm-hmm. shape, they achieved what they were trying to achieve with the old 4-4-2. Bonaire is vicious, by the way, I'll have you know. <laughs> Everyone there's got great aim. Right? We have firmly established it is not vicious. <laughs> Sorry, continue. So in the old 4-4-2, what they were trying and failing to do was to cut off options mm-hmm. and force the opposition to like find that they have no easy passes and go direct and then we win the ball, Right. right? We failed to cut off the easy passes. They managed to pass it into midfield through the 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. In the 4-2-3-1, it succeeded. Mm-hmm. And a big chunk of this game was Canadian uh, centre-backs and full-backs essentially just being forced to go direct. And John Brooks ate everything in the air. Yes, he yeah. did. And Tim Ream did as well. Tim Ream would yep. step and win things. Mm-hmm. He was weirdly like, he played left-back, but was very aggressive, like, stepping and winning any floated balls that yeah. came over to his side. And then we would transition and attack quickly. And to me, that was a pattern as well. Like, 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 like with that Ream stepping, with that ball over the top it was almost always like Daniel Henry had no other options but he saw the right winger or, the, or like the right back had pushed all the way up so he went for that long diagonal and as soon as he hit it you would see Tim Ream come running in and it, it almost felt like a bait of like we're going to wait for you to do that and then we're coming in and Tim Ream's going to win it and then yeah to your point as soon as it's won it's numbers committed forward the defense steps up you've got a higher line but you've also then by definition got four and five attackers in, yep. the, in Canada's uh, defensive third and you can make something happen from there alright so great job by the US doing those things to Tonight. I think mm-hmm. before we start breaking down the goals, sure. have you got anything else you want to talk about in terms of the U.S.'s tactical setup? No, I think I mean I'm sure more will come up as we go. But yeah, we could uh, probably get to some goals. But first, should we get to a sponsor? Yes, today's right. show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Mm-hmm. I'm doubly grateful to ExpressVPN because they're also the season sponsor, one of the season sponsors for Soccer 101, which you would have heard us mention in the preamble. We recently published our Johan Cruyff show. Mm-hmm. That season is happening mostly because ExpressVPN sponsored uh, a handful of episodes. I also think, here's my new theory, USA lo- lost to Canada. 
uh, kind of ExpressVPN's fault is what I'm going to throw Why out. Why is that? Because Americans going to Canada, now you got to do like what? Canadian Netflix? You can't access your own. <laughs> you're in the wrong country. You can't watch what you want. You don't. I'm sure somebody on this team watches The Office the way I do as like comfort food so you yeah. can sleep. That was a mixed metaphor, but I'm fine with it. If you can't watch The Office, it makes it hard to go to bed. Maybe you don't rest as well. Maybe you don't have your, your stories. Yeah. Maybe you lose to Canada. <laughs> you come home, you have everything you need. You can win, but if you are on the road and you need to be able to access American Netflix, there's a way to do that, and it's ExpressVPN. Or if you're in America and also you want to access the version of Netflix Don't tell Canada. from anywhere <laughs> They'll be better. the world. Because a VPN, if people mm-hmm. don't know, a VPN essentially lets you tell the internet that mm-hmm. your IP address is coming from any country of your choosing. I obviously, a lot of the time I'm here in the US, I use a VPN, I use ExpressVPN uh, to say that I'm in the UK mm. and then I watch some good old content on the BBC, including Match of the Day. Watch it on the iPlayer, yeah. It's very nice. It's very nice to be able to watch the Match of the Day without the f- like 40 different streams of various legality, yes. uh, which is to say they're not legal. Uh, <laughs> and you ne- can never quite know, like, am I clicking on the X that I should be clicking on right. or is that X going to redirect me somewhere else? <laughs> you don't have to worry about that with ExpressVPN, nor do you have to worry about like shady links or anything like that it's very simple it's very secure and it's very reliable and it's not just for having your ip address come from a different country mm-hmm. that is the primary thing i use it for um express vpn it also keeps all your network data right. encrypted it's mm-hmm. a virtual private network so you know that all the data you're sending back and forth is safe and secure from hackers That's right when you're on a vpn can't nobody hack my stuff specifically express please VPN. don't try please don't try <laughs> uh so you can protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Soccer. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash soccer for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash soccer to learn more. My brain genuinely was screaming at me the whole time, like, don't mess it up. Don't spell it wrong the whole time. Thanks for that, brain. And thank you to ExpressVPN for sponsoring today's episode. All right, Daryl, should we talk some goals? Let's get to the goals. Okie dokie. So I've made the classic Daryl mistake mm-hmm. of not writing down the times. Do you have second the times of the goals? All right, second minute of this game, mm-hmm. the U.S. scores. It's Jordan Mar- it's from a corner kick. It's a designed corner kick. It absolutely We'll is. get into that. But first, I think I want to talk about how the corner kick was won. I like it. So I think this, maybe this break that wins the corner is one of the great illustrations of the U.S. playing in transition. Yeah, because even if it doesn't help with the possession stats, as we established, it's uh-huh. poke tackle, possession, drive forward, yep. cross comes in, cross is cut out. Now we've got a corner from the corner, design set piece. Score the goal. It's like the fundamentals. Counterattack as effectively and quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Then catch your opponent in a situation that's favorable to you. If it's a set piece you've practiced, it's a set piece you might be able to score, and the U.S. does. And the man who should get all the credit is Paul Ariola. Mm-hmm. Ariola on the right all wing. Right. Mm-hmm. He's the one that he wins is. possession. He gets mm-hmm. the poke tackle on Alfonso Davis as Davis is trying to dribble. I think that goes to Leggett, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't Leggett then play a beautiful pass too? Paul Ariola, who is absolutely tearing it down the, down the right wing. At the same time, tearing it down the left wing is Jordan Morris, mm-hmm. like we talked about, right? Two fast wingers yep. going at it in transition. I think Ariola's trying to cross to get it to Jordan Morris on the far side, but the, uh, the cross is blocked and mm-hmm. goes out for a corner kick, mm-hmm. right? So unsuccessful cross, but the threat was there. The threat was what won us the corner kick. The threat was there. The disrespect to Giassi Zardes is real, though. Because was he involved? He was involved. I'm because sorry. Because this is the one when uh, I think Brad Guzan tries to play a ball to John Brooks that kind of starts this whole sequence. It gets yeah. cut out, and Giassi Zardes is the one who is full, full tilt sprinting back to get into a good defensive shape. Then he presses forward, yeah. puts, uh, helps put Canadian players under pressure to the point where it's coughed up. It's Ariel with a poke tackle away, but it's Giassi Zardes picks that ball up, drives forward, and then ends up dropping it back to Sebastian Legette who plays oh, that ball. Okay. So it's Zardes being really good in transition to defense, but then being really good in his transition to attack. Look at me not giving credit to Jesse Zardes when he deserves it. I mean, he deserves it tonight. Okay. It, it was 
one of the best games I think I've seen from him in a U.S. shirt. Yeah. And that's mostly because I can't remember a lot of good performances from him, but mm-hmm. there may have been better ones. But I thought he was very good tonight. All right, let's pause here for a second then mm-hmm. to just talk about the decision to start Zardes over Sargent. It was a big that one. is a decision that's going to be very yep. unpopular with the fan base. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the Canada game, the October Canada game, mm-hmm. it makes sense that Sargent didn't deserve to start. It was not his best performance no. at all. Um, and then the evidence of Zardes' performance tonight. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think especially with what he was doing of being very mobile, sometimes trying to like be the target player and bring the ball down, but not really that much because that's obviously not his strength, but instead making runs into space for a long ball or to open up space for other players, but then to help out defensively and to have little layoffs and little touches and not try to do too much, not Mm -hmm. overcomplicate. I thought it was a solid performance from start to finish. And in terms of just applying pressure as a Mm -hmm. front one, when the U.S. is defending, yep. I think Zardes is just more experienced, knows the angles a lot better than Josh Sargent does at this point. Yeah, yeah, seems so that makes way. Sense. Yeah, but it's but it's a great transition into attack. It's a lovely ball from Sebastian Legette because basically Paul Ariola, who is moving forward at like seventy percent speed, doesn't really have to take a touch until he opens up to cross the ball and then it gets yeah. cut out. So it's 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 a clinical counterattacking transition play. And clinical is not a word we have often used to describe the U.S. national team of late. Because they're Men's so often, national team, I should clarify. Because they're so often not mm-hmm. in transition, right? It's a slow build-up, and yep. then they let, we let them get numbers behind the mm-hmm. ball, and we overthink it, and it's like too much, too much of an academic exercise in our heads about mm-hmm. what our positions should be because we're learning the positional play system. Instead, we just run fast and get down the wing. There's also a chance that we're <laughs> overthinking this whole goal because I think we spent three minutes talking about the, the counterattack play that yeah. led to the corner. Fair so enough. let's talk about the actual corner. Let's talk about the corner kick then. Mm-hmm. Okay, weirdly, this looks a little rough. It does. But the more we watched it, the more it looked designed. Yes. I'm not sure. That's some sort of weird paradox that we've, that we've entered. <laughs> um, but it looks like Leggett deliberately plays it low mm-hmm. and sort of more what, low and short-ish yep. um, to Serginho Dest, who's running on to then chip it to the back post to Jordan Morris. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I think it's a design play. I think it is too. And I think there's a couple little things that make it seem like it's not. We watched this about 20 times. Yeah. And I think one of them is where the ball is played, that it ends up looking like it's sort of a, like a 50-50 that Serginho Dest is just able to get to oh, ahead yeah, of Jonathan David. He gets David. hit as he's chipping he it to the back post. He gets hit, doesn't he? Yeah. And, it's, and I think if you watch it, there's one like wider angle from like behind Serginho Dest facing the goal on the replays where you can see he's making an arc to run like he's definitely not expecting that ball to come as quickly as it does and he's not expecting it where it ends up going so we're saying Sebastian Legette didn't quite put it on target I'm gonna say that yeah okay. basically and it is the case that I think Canada had two defenders out there so he yeah. puts it through them so it's still he splits two defenders it's yep. a packing stat um, but I think it's and then I think <laughs> probably from sure uh, and then I think <laughs> the maybe slickness of the surface is also a factor here because it might be that he's aware of that and is trying to hit it slowly enough that it gets through yeah. but not like too slow slow and not too fast and ends up maybe getting it a little bit wrong. And you can see Serginho Dest, to his credit, adjust his run and then the acceleration and the closing speed that he's able to then get to get on the end of that one. Yeah. And just very smartly, again, doesn't overcomplicate, doesn't go for like a touch wide and then to get a shot off, just gets the flick onto the back post, which was, again, part of the design set piece. Because and this, is, this is what mm-hmm. looks rough. Yes. But the more you watch it, it's because he gets hit afterwards, it looks rough. But mm-hmm. I think... He gets hit after he's like performed the exact yep. uh, like follow through that he wanted anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was exactly what he wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. And you and then you can see it because the intentionality of the drifting wide from Jordan Morris and from Aaron Long, yeah. who are both kind of in the center as the ball is coming in, and then they both drift wide. But most importantly, drift wide to different spots. Jordan Morris mm-hmm. towards like right at the top of the, the six yard box. I think uh, Aaron Long drops a little bit further back and a little bit further out. So either of them could have been the recipient of the death exactly. Ball, right? So then Aaron Long can attack 
bracket if it's yep. behind Jordan Morris or can bring it down and play it back in if need be. And, and Jordan Morris can volley it home with aggression. It was a perfect finish, mm-hmm. right? And yep. the genius of this play is that because it goes first to Dest, everybody then gets drawn towards the exactly. ball. Alfonso Davis, who was marking Jordan Morris, mm-hmm. he's guilty of that. Yeah. He's sort of is watching the ball, takes a step towards the ball. That's how Morris is able to drift away and be unmarked when he volleys home. Yeah. And I mean, it's worth noting that I think Canada kind of do this themselves for their uh, for their goal when they put one back in the they second do. half. Yeah. So it, it speaks to if you have the like deliberate running uh, as the attacker, it's always going to favor the defender who sort of is like, yeah, I guess I'll get there eventually. <laughs> doesn't quite work so well. Certainly doesn't work for Canada, nor did it work for their game plan, because I'm going to go ahead and assume they were not planning to be 1-0 down inside two minutes. You, you rarely are. You <laughs> rarely are in soccer. Well, they were 2-0 down inside 23 minutes. They sure were. 23rd minute. Mm. It's the Giassizades header yep. from the Jordan Morris left-footed cross. Yes. Um, but as with everything in this game, it's how we got there that was exciting. It was. I mean, it was brief, but exciting, uh, (laughs) because it ends up with the U.S. doing a good job defensively. A lot of these plays start with the U.S. like setting up their shape right to frustrate Canada. Canada have possession for, like I think, two minutes here. Mm -hmm. They're moving around, and then they just slowly get forced back over and over and again. They have to work backwards. It goes all the way back to Bourjan, the goalkeeper, who has a bad kick. He tries to play it way long, looking for, I think, Alfonso Davies advancing down the left side. Key thing there is that Paul Ariola, I'm going to guess, had been instructed to, yeah, let him go. If they go long to him, which is the plan, we'll have a defender there to cut that out. But now you are wide open 10 or 15 yards ahead. So, yeah, it was instead of being scared of Mm -hmm. Alfonso Davis getting forward from left back, it was let's exploit the space that Alfonso leaves Mm -hmm. when he comes forward from left back. And that's what happens. Is this, I'm I'm not 100% sure because my notes are never as detailed as yours, but is this the long ball where Serginho Dest heads it down the line uh, for Paul Areola Mm -hmm. to run into all the space that Alfonso Davis has left him? Yes, Yes, exactly. And and this is also a good example, another good uh, sequence for Paul Areola to get himself into space. But then, I've talked about this before, like dribbling very, very fast to get to goal is not playing fast, in my opinion. What Areola does here is playing very fast. In okay. that the ball is a header from Serginho Dest, but it's not like a powerful header looping over the top that Areola runs onto at full speed. Yeah. He kind of has to wait. It reminds me of like uh, like a 4 by 100 relay race where you have to wait for the baton, and you're sort of like waiting and waiting and waiting, and then it catches up, and then you go, yeah. which he finally is able to get the touch out ahead of him, and now he's dribbling. But Alfonso Davies, very quick, and does not have the ball. And he is makes thus, up the ground, right? Exactly. Yeah. And if Areola takes one more touch, Alfonso Davies wins this ball back. Guaranteed. But because as he's on him by the time yeah, he crosses, right? As he crosses it, he basically gets overrun by Alfonso Davies. If he doesn't hit that ball with that like determination and precision, it, it does not end up being anything. Instead, it ends up being a good ball, maybe better than Jordan Morris anticipated, which is kind of why he has a heavy touch. So yeah, part of this is it's so it's a crossfield ball from Ariola yep. to Jordan Morris, who's on the like mm-hmm. left side of the penalty area, yep. essentially, right? Should Vittoria have got to this ball. He should have gotten something to the ball because yeah. I think that's... This is the Canadian centre-back yes. for those who don't know who Vittorio and, is. And who, he, the one who looks like a giant Luis Suarez. <laughs> he really does. You, we were trying to figure it out and you said Suarez and I got very excited because he Suarez. definitely does. Big Suarez. Yes. <laughs> big, big, big Suarez. But not big enough. Maybe one more inch and it would have been big <laughs> enough. But I do think... There's a bigger Suarez out there somewhere. Who yes. Got but if, also if he'd had that one inch, maybe he wins this header yeah, and yeah. then things are better. Instead, it goes just over his head. I don't think he gets anything to it. Maybe at most he gets like, like a skimmed 
touch, mm-hmm. but I think it explains the semi-heavy touch from Jordan Morris because I think he is up on his toes waiting to see what sort of ball is coming to him. Because maybe react to a, a bigger skim yeah. off of uh, uh, Vittoria. And yeah. I think what he doesn't plan on is the ball essentially going exactly where it was going, and yeah. so that's why it's sort of a weird touch that he has to take. But again, to his credit, he has the acceleration to make that up, and he doesn't overcomplicate. Again, he's not trying to take a touch past the goalkeeper and then pass it. He's mm-hmm. not just kind of hitting a shot first time, which I honestly think he would have done a year or two ago. You know, he instead, you know what he would have done? He would have cut back onto his right foot. Probably. And instead here, it's a perfect left foot chip that like he, he does the, like, the chip and pull away from the advancing goalkeeper mm-hmm. and puts it right on the head of Giassi Zardes. To his credit, Giassi Zardes makes a very good run to be able to get his head it's to it. It's a last second mm-hmm. dart to the near post yep. and it to lose, I want to say Henry. You are correct. Yeah, he gets yeah. across the front of Henry with that last minute mm-hmm. dart. Um, and yeah, it's, it's almost a FIFA goal, yeah. right? In the Jordan Morris, mm-hmm. the goalkeeper's drawn out and he like yeah. squares it. But it's a chip, so not exactly like a FIFA goal, but chips it to Zardes. Yeah. yeah, but it's but it's it's simplicity in its like finest form in this one because it's a like a good determined header from Serginho Dest who has good position. It's a good drive forward from Paul Ariola and a good ball across. Mm-hmm. It's Jordan Morris getting on the end of it, putting in a very good chipped ball, and it's Jesse Zardes making a smart run to be on the end of it. It's what you need in a counter attacking goal, and it's what the US had. All right, two 0 after twenty three mm-hmm. minutes. It's 3-0 after 34 minutes. Yeah. It's the US on set pieces again. It's Aaron Long heading in a Tim Ream <laughs> crossed yeah. free kick. Um, the most lethal left foot in the game. You didn't know that? <laughs> I did not know that, but it turns out that might be the case. <laughs> Tim Ream is, um, has hidden depths. He does. Yeah? He does. I feel like he's someone a lot you to him. who seems very simple. He reads them. Kierkegaard. <laughs> I don't know if he does. I'm he, just may do. that up. <laughs> he may do. He may do. You were ready for that it's one. Like secondhand bookshops in England. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I'm embarrassed here. Again, I said mm-hmm. my, my notes aren't as good as yours. Mm-hmm. How do we win this free kick? Is this Sebastian Legette? It is, but again, I want to start with Jordan Morris because it's All Jordan right. Morris sort of back to goal, gets the ball, turns turns a Canadian player, then basically drives inside and then oh. plays a great little reverse chip back outside for Sebastian Legette to run onto. Is this the, the thing that begins with jo- uh, John Brooks and Tim Ream uh, having a little passing combination down yes. the left that eventually yes, gets is. into the feet of Jordan Morris? Mm-hmm. But then he does that thing where he turns and accelerates into space. You got yeah. it. Yep. So mm-hmm. it's got a bit of the passing builder, but then it's just got Jordan Morris sees space and runs very quickly into it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then and then I think Legette maybe isn't expecting like it's a little bit behind, but he probably could have done better. Yeah. But then he essentially has to take like the slow up kill touch, turns mm-hmm. backwards and gets clipped, and that's when he goes down. So it's a foul like maybe twenty yards from goal, like right at the top corner of the eighteen. Okay. And then Canada get this all wrong. They do right. Um, so Taylor Twelman did a lot of complaining during the yes, ESPN broadcast. The one thing where I think he was really correct was mm-hmm. complaining about Canada's defending. Yes, um, on on this on this, this was not piece. good. This was not so good. It was not good because by the time Aaron Long heads this, I mean it's actually a really good header, mm-hmm. right? Because he puts it. He's quite far out, and he gets like power and direction yep. right into the sort of side netting cornerish. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also not challenged at all when he goes for that header. No, he's not. Yeah, no, he's not. And there. We like we went through uh, we went on a journey with this one you we and did, I did we? Yeah. of like okay this happens oh no wait it's this happened it's this and I think we ended up getting to a somewhat complicated but the most basic explanation is essentially that Canada are man marking uh, yep. fairly aggressively and uh, Daniel Henry I think is supposed to be tracking John Brooks yeah for sure John Brooks makes a near post run so too does Zardes, Zardes thank yep. you very much they're kind of following the same like parallel path yeah. uh, from the center mm-hmm. to the near post and there is a very strange thing I have done it I don't know why it happens when you're defending a set piece and you sort of lose your mark there's, this, the, the yeah, there's yeah. this idea that like well they must just be running towards goal it's like this 
weird like lizard brain of like, I'll just go run and defend the goal. And that's mm-hmm. essentially what Daniel Henry does is I think he realizes I'm not going to be able to get to John Brooks. I'm assuming he's going to make a run towards the goal. Because there are bodies in the way, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'll cheat and get uh, into a position where then I'm kind of defending the goal. And if he comes towards it, then I'm there to defend mm-hmm. him. But what he actually does is jumps backwards and takes, what, Paul Ariola and also Aaron, Aaron Long, Long, who are both offside. Because there is an element of this, the U.S. Mm-hmm. have cause trouble for yeah. Canada by mm-hmm. just having a little wrinkle where um, it's all it's all lined up right mm-hmm. waiting for the cross but yeah Paul Ariola and Aaron Longa stand in what half a yard offside yeah, each thereabouts. that at least just gets in Canada's head a little yeah, bit yeah it does right? and you can see it because Vittoria is like very nervous about that because he is the one who's supposed to be marking Aaron Long but Aaron Long is goal side but offside mm-hmm. and you can see him sort of like not really like I don't really like this but I don't want to drop I'm going to try to hold my line but Henry dropping in now sort of makes all of what Vittoria is doing nullified yeah. that's said he still then tries to like overdo and get goal side and yep. because he does that he's not tracking the ball he's not really tracking Aaron Long again he's just trying to get closer to the goal to be yep. between the man and the goal and doesn't really end up defending the cross in at all and two things have happened mm-hmm. as the ball comes in uh, because people have gone with Brooks and with Zaydez making that near post run mm-hmm. it clears out a little bit of space for Certainly Aaron does. Long right but also Aaron Long does a clever thing where he starts going towards goal yep but then just takes a step backwards as the ball's coming in. Yeah. And that's how he's got loads of space between him and Vittoria. I think Vittoria falls down on that cut, he by the way. He does. I think, yeah, mm. when he's trying to scramble to get back yep. to get back to it. This is why Aaron Long... It's a very long and complicated explanation of how you get free on a free kick, yeah. just like Aaron Long did. Yeah, but uh, but I think we heard Greg, Berhal- we heard Greg Berhalter talk in the uh, pregame press conference. We haven't heard anything postgame. I'm assuming it was just him fist pumping in the air. <laughs> um, but he talked about how they were going to make... Yeah, up- I wish we had the press conference. I guess when we do yeah. the Cuba preview, on Monday we'll, we'll know what was said in the press conference and we I can reflect so. upon yeah. it. But two things that I think are key from the, the pregame press conference where he said when he was asked like how do you make up for Christian Pulisic he said what like uh, speed and physicality yep. and he said we've been working very hard this week on crosses. You look at where these goals come from and how they come about it, sh- it speaks to me a lot of what they've been working on worked in this game. And that's yep. why I'm comfortable spending 10 minutes breaking down a driven free kick that gets headed in kind of awkwardly because I think there's a lot to it that speaks to the work that's being done. Same on the corner kick, right? Yeah. Two, I mean, mm-hmm. when you score two different set yeah. pieces, I, I think there's a very good chance that you've put a lot, of, a lot of work into those set pieces. You will get no arguments from me, my friend. You will get no arguments from me that we very much appreciate today's sponsor. Shall we get to them? I think we shall. It's Roughneck Scarves. It is Roughneck Scarves. Mm-hmm. Do you know about Roughneck Scarves if you've been listening to the Total Soccer I sure do. Show? If you're a Seattle fan who also knows things about Roughneck Scarves or it's getting colder, you want a scarf, I believe they are, have already have their Seattle Championship Scarves you can get. They still have the like Seattle-Toronto hybrid one, yeah. which I almost considered buying for my nephews or my cousin nephews sort of who live in Seattle until I realized it doesn't have the year on it. And there have been so many Seattle-Toronto <laughs> games that it's kind of difficult to know which one. It doesn't really have the exclusivity of this one. So you can get um, a Seattle yeah. champion mm-hmm. scarf. You can get U.S. men's national team scarves. You can. Um, you can also design custom scarves. Oh, boy. So I put a tweet out. Why would you do this? Asking, if you were to design a custom roughneck scarf to represent the U.S.'s 4-1 win over Canada, what would it look like? Mm-hmm. I haven't pre-screened these, oh so I'm gonna. We've got like 30 responses. So I'm gonna try and find a I'm trying couple to figure out who is good going to be catch my eye. the most consistent victim. But I guess you're not gonna read the the, the mean ones, the negative ones, right? It's, is it gonna be a positive roughneck scarf reading? Yeah, I'm trying to make it um, a positive roughneck All scarf right. reading. Let's go with Mark Bajaski. Okay. Mark Bajaski says Weston McKenney's flying kick on one side, yeah. and quote, "We make everything harder than it has to be." Unquote on the other. <laughs> Who said that one? Uh, well, no one actually said it, but I think we sort of, uh, because we lost the away game 
um, and then won the home game mm-hmm. and qualified for the Nations League semi-finals, assuming we beat Canada yeah. next week. We've definitely made this CONCACAF Nations group harder than it had to be. We certainly have. Yeah. We certainly have. I like that one. I like Wes McKinney flying through the air. That works for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me keep on <laughs> scrolling. How many of them are Berhalter-related? I mean, I'm scrolling past the ones that, right. are, uh, that are not so happy. David Morales. Uh-huh. David Morales. Uh, GGG and Giassi celebrating on one side and Twelman on the other side, furiously crunching numbers to try to discredit the win because it was against a weaker side. Right? Right? Yeah. Tyler Twelman, I think, went into this determined not to be impressed yeah it did feel that way and especially in the sense that uh multiple times they were doing their sort of weird tangents about like what books they've been reading it's like there's a game happening guys analysis no all right whatever (laughs) it's better to have imaginary kirkegaard readings from tim reed indeed indeed Uh, another one from mls aces podcast kind of might be better for that but yeah (laughs) mls aces podcast says on the first side it says now let's Mm -hmm. on the second side it says not lose to Cuba. <laughs> Which is a good point because I just made the mistake of mm-hmm. saying we've qualified for the semifinals of the Nations League. We absolutely have not unless we beat Cuba. Unless we beat Cuba. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we've got we've to sure make sure that we do that. Any more yeah. gems you want to get to? Or should we, uh, should we move on to talk about the rest of this game and maybe what happens next? I think we should let people know that if you buy a scarf anywhere mm-hmm. on roughneckscarves.com, use the code TOTALSOCCERSHOW. Do it. TOTALSOCCERSHOW, all one word. You'll get 20% off any scarf that you see in the Roughneck Scarves store. You certainly will. And it's worth noting that 20% is the all-inclusive pricing as well. So you're going to get that discount, but you're not going to then get like, oh, it's a convenience fee of $4 and a convenience shipping fee of $9. It is what they say it will be, nice and easy. Uh, so thank you to Roughneck Scarves for sponsoring today's episode. Daryl, we do have... Two more goals to get to. How much time do we want to spend with those guys? With those goals? Mm-hmm. As long as it takes. Okay. As long as it takes. <laughs> mm-hmm. The team that scores next is Canada. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They make it 3-1. They make it a little nervy, right, in the 72nd minute. Kind of. And I, I know that like, Ian Dark said that, like, oh, we might have a game on our hands. But with that in mind... I, it, I tensed up. It, did you? I, Just, it yeah. never felt like we didn't have the... Narrative is the wrong way to put it, but it did not feel like Canada were truly getting back into that game. We didn't start to see that sort of flurry of like Brad who's on with a desperate save and then there's a desperate tackle and then we barely hang on at a corner. It felt like they got this goal, but their opportunities, even if they had more possession, even if they had some decent shots, were not nearly as effective as the two they got uh, when they were playing in Canada. Name a time Canada were through on goal. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, th- I think it speaks a lot to the defensive organization and the physicality of John Brooks and Aaron Long in the air. Mm-hmm. But then we did still see a couple times Aaron Long doing the kind of quick 10-yard sprint in behind John Brooks just in case and putting out some potential fires before they happened, before there was even smoke. Aaron Long was there. <laughs> so I, I like that back line. And I think put out well. pre-smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. That said, Canada do score. But it is still the confusing thing that we talked about with the U.S.'s goal of Jonathan Osorio. Uh, Twelman thought maybe he was offside briefly. It was a corner, so he wasn't. Yeah. Um, but he, but because the U.S. are standing where they are, it like there is this weird like two yard gap between the uh, the goal line and the U.S.'s first defender. So Osorio kind of navigates in there slowly and then just hops back in to yeah. flick that header on. Jassy Zardes tries to contest it, but... Does it, it hit Zardes? Does it come off Zardes' back in the end? Yeah, I think like maybe Osorio gets a slight touch to it, and yeah. then it goes off of Zardes and up in the air and deflects to the back post. And this is a classic thing where... So the U.S. were zonal marking, mm-hmm. and the thing with zonal marking is that you attack the ball, you don't track the man, right? right? Um, and in the end, uh, we all ended up looking at that flick-on ball and thinking about what's going to happen, and Vittoria makes a run to the far post to just head it. Except that Vittoria was man-marked by Jordan Morris. Oh, because he starts really like mm-hmm. high up on the top of the yeah. area where we are man-marking. Yeah. We're zone-marking in the box. Yeah. Right? But it's actually a failure of man-marking because Jordan Morris didn't track Vittoria all the way. Exactly. But okay. it, it, again, is that sort of like 
Oh, like, oh, the ball was delivered to the near post. Like, caveman brain comes out when you're defending set pieces, it seems. Because when the ball's driven to the near post, you do have that inclination to just like, oh, it's there. What's happening in the, in the near post? Yeah, yeah. And you no longer pay attention to the person that you were very decidedly paying attention to mm-hmm. mere seconds before. It's the one bad thing that Jordan Morris did. I take yeah. that back. It's the second bad thing that Jordan Morris did because there was that left-footed cross after a really nice quick passing move where he, uh, he fluffs the cross. Was that a cross? Yeah, Does it count? It, it was an attempt. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes. It was an attempt. But it, but it, it is, a I would say, another design set piece that uh, works effectively. In mm-hmm. this case, it's for Canada, and it's 3-1. to one. Daryl was nervous. I was not. Jassy's artist definitely was not because he adds a fourth. Yeah, Jassy was just like, I'm going to score a fourth. I'm going to yeah. score a fourth. It'll be fine, guys. Don't you worry. Don't, Don't you worry. You mm-hmm. worry. Um, so this comes from Jackson Yule, who I'd like to talk about a little bit later. It's, a, it's a free kick that mm-hmm. we win. Jackson Yule does a big diagonal, proving his Michael Bradley understudy credentials. <laughs> big diagonal ball. But still vertical. That's the other thing. It's from a free That's true, kick. It's from quite deep, right? It is, but it's like right of center field, and he hits it to the right side of the field. Yep. Like, so it's still the diagonal. It's still the long ball, but it is very precise. Yep. And it's also, again, vertical. And it's for the right back, uh, DeAndre Yedlin. Is he mm-hmm. right wing or right back at this point? I think he's, yes. he's playing right back at this point because Tyler Boyd's come on and yes. Dest has come off. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, he came on as a right winger, then went to right back, then Dest came off. It was a strange thing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. a bit. He, he got on there. Yeah. Um, so Yedlin fails to control the ball in mm-hmm. the air, gets a toe to it, and then to his credit, because it's not a great first touch, but then to his credit, is fast enough to mm-hmm. get to the end line just in time to get his leg around the ball. Mm-hmm. And cross it in. Yep. He doesn't look up. He he's not, not aiming at anyone. He is not. But he still almost manages to find Weston McKenney. He does. Um, Weston McKenney, I think he's going for some sort of scissor kick. Yeah. Um, Piet gets in the way. Ball bounces off of Piet. Mm-hmm. Lands at the... It bounces towards Jesse Zardes, mm-hmm. who is not at an optimum shooting angle. He's at an okay angle, but it's if you take the angle combined with the bounce, combined with the weird sort of deflection, deflection, and it falls to him, yeah. and that he's able to very quickly get his hips up and over the ball to then strike the ball Good well form and keep from it on Jesse frame. Zanis, right? Yeah, Good form. It, it initially looked like he had just walloped that ball into the like far corner, and it was going to be this it, beautiful volley. It looked like what um, English people call a worldie. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it wasn't quite when you rewatch it. No, I mean, he, I think he's so focused on making sure he doesn't sky this one that he does volley it into the ground, but he's still... <laughs> It's this weird, like, almost, like, club, I think, where he, like, hits the ball into the ground, but then his follow-through, he still is able to get, like, a- enough behind it yeah, that it doesn't really matter. It in the end, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it just, it goes in and it takes a deflection. There's a little deflection. I, it right? is, I think it's still going on frame. I don't care. He gets credit. He gets a goal. He gets a brace. The Hawkeye system says it was definitely on frame. Yeah, sure. Yeah. There we go. The, the Daryl I system? Yeah, the mm-hmm. Daryl I system, yeah. Um, what was, uh, why was Aaron Long uh, operating a system? <laughs> You're welcome for that. Yes, and that was good. <laughs> All right, so it finishes um, 4-1 it to the United States. Uh, before we talk big picture about what this result mm-hmm. means, I'd like to just touch on a couple of uh, player performances, sure. right? So we talked about Jassy's Ziders, which I think is quite an important mm-hmm. performance because he's so often been um, not the best in front of goal. Mm-hmm. Takes his two, two uh, scorable chances, takes them both really well. He right? does. I don't think he had any too bad of misses I think that was the domain of Alfredo Morales and there's one more oh Sebastian Legette I think Sky's mm-hmm. one in the second half what do you make should... of Sebastian Legette's performance because he is someone who I'm going to say essentially started in Christian Pulisic's position yeah Mm-hmm. Oh, we, I, thought, I thought you were going to continue that one. That had me oh, like, and I'm, he did okay. I was actually thinking, like, was it any sort of performance that could mean Christian Pulisic's spot is under threat? Is no. it a performance that could keep Leggett as one of the midfield three when we yes. have all our guys um, it, it can keep ready? him as the secondary option, I think, because it was a performance that I was not 
upon first viewing as impressed by. I, I remembered the more obvious mistakes. Some of the ones where, like, he has the uh, early cross where he, like, runs around. I forget who it is on the left side. Probably, probably Paul Areola. Outside and the then, foot, yeah, foot cross, yeah. But, like, he doesn't see the layoff coming, so then he has to accelerate, and he's, like, barely able to get an outside of the foot cross. It's still yeah. a good cross, but there are those moments where he didn't look quite as comfortable or fluid on the ball. That was That's first viewing. Second viewing, you see a lot more of him keeping good defensive shape, tucking in behind Giassi Zardes, but then moving wide to block off passing options. Does well with quick tight control and quick yep. tight passes obviously like the ball we talked about for Paul Ariola for the uh, cross field ball for Zardes' first goal like it's good incisive passing that probably won't stand out unless you watch the game without any emotion and just yeah. kind of pay attention to what he's doing I think he was also part of the change in what I'm going to call mentality that you mm. saw in this US team compared to October yeah. where mm. October again it was like very academic and thinking about our positions and not really thinking about just fighting and winning the ball. Legette sort of like busted his ass to just get around the field and like get like throw himself around and I think that was a big part of the US performance you heard the part where he yelled quit thinking nerds and then he tackled somebody (laughs) it was a weird moment but you know I appreciated it I'm glad the mics uh, picked that up they did so we've we've, uh, we mostly enjoyed what we saw from Sebastian Legette do you want to handwrite your apology letter to Jackson Ewell or do you just want to issue that over the radio what what do I need to apologize (laughs) to Ewell for you really don't because I know Daryl well enough to know that he will argue he was technically correct because your concern was like the best kind of correct you're That joke always makes me laugh. Um, I think because your your concern with him was that he wasn't as mobile combined with like physical enough to handle if the United States was trying to like add some steel to that midfield. Yeah, but he didn't really need to be because of the four two three one shape and because yes. he was mobile enough and physical enough in little moments. Yeah. that I think he caused enough problems for Canada they could never really get comfortable. So I would say he wasn't physical in terms of putting himself about and knocking people over. Mm-hmm. But what he was was any time he got knocked over, yep. he really would just like brush it off his shoulders, get up, and be like, "All right, let's go." And he did. He was not be- intimidated in the no. way that say. Um, I hate to throw him under the bus, but uh, say Georgie Mihailovic yep. seemed intimidating mm-hmm. when he got knocked around. Yeah, I mean, and it did feel like weirdly Jackson Ewell was the one that Canada were like, that guy. <laughs> that guy <laughs> needs it. Because he got a, a couple aggressive tackles like in the first half and in the second half. He got a couple that we only saw because we were re-watching. We were like, oh, wait, why is Jackson Ewell laying on the ground in a crumpled heap? And it's yep. because after he played the ball in, he gets knocked off uh, and is like laying there but hops back up and gets back into shape, albeit looking a little bit like, wow, I just got crushed. And here's my theory as to why that kept happening to him is he was really good at making a quick little move yep. when he had the mm-hmm. ball, right? I think in a way that neither Bradley nor Trapp can really do. He can um, like do a quick change of direct direction uh, like and change the angle from where his pass is coming from. He's not just big passes and like clever little through balls. He also can make the space for himself to make that pass by getting away from someone. Yes. And because Canada were, yeah, they were kind of up for it. They were, they were coming for us. He would get away from someone but then get taken out because they were late with the tackle because he was ahead of them. Yeah. Right? So that's yeah. to his credit. It certainly is. And I think it's to his credit that like you talk about, like I think you're absolutely right. Zardes justified the start and now maybe we have to have that conversation again or we're going to have that conversation. We yeah. shall see. You'll really is making me think some things and ha- maybe ha- make us have some conversations. He has clearly moved ahead of Will Trap in the packing order. Yeah. I still think that spot is Tyler Adams when he's healthy. It pretty much has his name written on it. Mm-hmm. I have some questions about Jackson Ewell versus Michael Bradley at this point, which I didn't think I would, yeah. but I saw things in this game where he could just quickly close a little bit of space and it wasn't a like, oh, the ball's been played into this midfielder and he's given him five yards. Now he has to close that five yards. It was sort of the ball's with the right back. It's going to be played into the central midfielder. So he steps to the attacking midfielder before yeah. that ball even gets to the player who would then play it in. That little awareness and that quickness to then act yep. is a thing that I think the midfield has lacked for the U.S. Uh, on consistent occasions. And isn't it fair to say that in the October game, 
game, um, the two attacking midfielders for Canada in the 4 2 2 2, so mm-hmm. the middle two, um, which is Arfield, who we're always very impressed with, um, and Osorio. Mm-hmm. They kind of ran loose, yep. ran wild on us. This time it was Yule and McKenney who did a great job. The shape helps because mm-hmm. it allows them to do it and not think about the other two, about Piet and, and Kay. But tra- uh, Trap, Yule yep. did a great job Don't you dare. of marking Arfield. Now you definitely owe him an apology. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it may well be the case that if, if Michael Bradley had had the same shape around him and a dedicate, dedicated help in the form of Weston McKinney, maybe he does look a little bit better. Maybe he is more effective. But all I can say is that he didn't have that in the game against Canada. Yule had it tonight, but he didn't let us down. Yep. Uh, and we've already, I think we've already talked enough about Morris and Areola, mm-hmm. just how impressed we were with the work rate and the quick transitions. Yeah, Jordan and- Morris is, like again, like in the... The best form of any American player, I think, right now. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's there and playing and winning MLS Cup. Christian Pulisic might want a word with you. I mean, he wasn't there, was he? (laughs) What is interesting is Pulisic is playing on the left wing Mm -hmm. for Chelsea and really succeeding. Jordan Morris is playing on on the left wing for Seattle Sounders and Mm -hmm. obviously done magnificently there, MLS Cup winner and all that. One of the great moves tonight was instead of keep playing Jordan Morris on the right wing, switching him to the left. I think there's a really strong argument now that that is absolutely Jordan Morris's best position. It's not centre forward. It's not right wing. Even though he's like was traditionally so right-footed, his best position is on the left wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think that means we see uh, going forward. If they were to keep this same shape, it probably means he stays where he is. Christian Pulisic comes in. Pulisic comes in for Sebastian Legette. Yeah, that and, would make sense. Yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And then other questions can be asked of who's your new striker? If you've got everybody fit, I think it's probably Josh, still yeah. it's still probably Josie. I would Close. agree with that. Yeah. Um, the other question is, we have, I believe, 400 right-backs all of a sudden. <laughs> Serginho Dest is now also one of those right-backs, even though we thought he might be a left-back. Is that something we want to see at this point? Do we want to see Serginho Dest regularly starting in that right-back I mean, spot? if Tim Ream's going to play like that, yeah. then yes. Yeah, and I yeah. think I still have some concerns about the 1v1 defending. Uh, those were sort of brought back about in certain moments. There's the one in the 30th minute where he takes down Larea. It was... On the didn't get beat for pace by Larea, right? Stayed with him yeah. and took him down just outside the area. I'm going to say he did just enough. Except my concern is like he gets him just outside the area, but he does. Larea end up landing in the box, and I believe the rule is a foul that occurs outside of the box but continues into the box can be given as a penalty. Oh, so that, that could was, have been a penalty. That was real close. Is, is yes, what I'm saying. But Ooh. that was a minor moment compared to the overall performance. Yep, I think I'm okay. Even though I liked Reggie Cannon uh, and still like Reggie Cannon, I think Serginho Dest offers so much more in that spot. Yeah, and then you can still have DeAndre Edlin for like the impact speed if you need it. Dest also offers just a little bit of arrogance that yeah. maybe the US needs. Yeah. Did you see a couple of no look passes? Mm-hmm. When he was just kind of taking when he it did to not them. need to do that, but he was definitely yeah. just like, yeah, why not? But there is like, there's a version Here's of that. For you. There's a version of that that's just showing off for no reason. Yeah. There's also a version of that that is sort of imposing your will yep. and letting the opposition know that you are someone they, that, that you are a team yeah. that can um, humiliate you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an ole. It's it's that yes. sort of like, yeah, just like here you go. Yeah, I and can I, do whatever I want. I kind of like it because the US lacks that because we've so mm-hmm. often sort of been been struggling to impose our will on a game. We're going to also talk Alfredo Morales. Okay. So we were, I was, mm-hmm. I'm going to just speak for myself, I was all into the idea that the US lacked midfield aggression mm-hmm. in October. Alfredo Morales is all about midfield aggression, um, maybe maybe a little too much, but that, that was the inclusion that needed to happen in terms of team selection yep. to make the US midfield more aggressive, right? Um, I think, um, in hindsight, I was wrong, and whatever Berhalter did in terms of the mentality for these players and changing the shape was enough to bring the aggression without bringing Alfredo Morales. Yeah, right? I, I think so. Without starting him. And I think... Looking at it again, it makes a bit more sense because 
if Berhalter has now decided, no, Weston McKinney is going to be my, like, sitting alongside the number six, my number eight, who, like, in a 4-2-3-1, who can get a little bit more forward and kind of arrive late, and he's not going to play him as the number 10 the way we saw him do against Cuba, then suddenly, if he's if he's your number eight, you're not going to put Alfredo Morales in there as your number 10. You're not going to have two sixes in an eight. So yeah. it makes sense that you'd bring him on later on. Just unfortunately, we didn't quite see the impact we were hoping for. Yeah, I think that's fair. And we also saw maybe the reasons why he hasn't been, <laughs> bless you, a regular U.S starter all the time it's the reasons we were kind of concerned about to begin with right Mm -hmm. that he can be a little reckless with his tackles he did give away a couple of free kicks Mm -hmm. and a little careless with his passing right sometimes they can be too aggressive he's actually in in some ways he's very Jermaine Mm Jonesy in that way yeah yeah, but without the the uh, attacking impact that Jermaine Jones sometimes has I still like Alfredo Morales but I think it was a good illustration of what he brings but also the idea that maybe you don't always need that maybe not always yeah maybe not always yeah he has the one shot that he should probably put on frame oh I forgot about that I mean he should have yeah wide and high wide and high Mm -hmm. yeah not just one, but both. Neither, neither of those are good. Yeah. Um, so you, you saw the uh, Nations League group table, right? Mm-hmm. What, does it, what do the standings actually look like? I believe Canada have uh, nine points. They beat Cuba twice. They beat us once. Yep. We have six points, uh, but we've played one game fewer. So we still have the game against Cuba. If we win that one, we currently have a plus eight goal difference. Canada have a plus six. So all we need to do is beat Cuba, regardless of the score. As long as we win, we advance top of the table. We win everything. It's all great. Yay. And we mm-hmm. go to the semifinals of the CONCACAF Nations League mm-hmm. in June. Okay, so not taking Cuba for granted. Uh, we expect to beat them. We'll talk about that game on Monday's Total Soccer Show. We, w- we will. I was yes. about to go into it. I will not. Fair we'll hold off. Yeah, we'll hold off. I want to talk big picture sure. about the whole thing of the flexibility that we're, we're happy about the flexibility because mm-hmm. Greg Berhalter did something different. But if you think big picture about the, um, the long-term Greg Berhalter era and what he's been saying he wants his U.S. team to do and what he's been asking his U.S. team to do in every game up until tonight, is it a concern that he's essentially... The harsh way of saying it is he's thrown out all of those principles mm-hmm. be, to try and win this game and succeeded, yeah. which suggests that maybe some of those principles were the wrong principles to put together a successful U.S. men's national team. Yeah. That's the harshest way of putting it. Right? It is. And I think the frustrating answer to that is like all we can say is we'll see. Because the question is, is it throwing it out or is it being flexible? Is it we adjusted our game plan because we, knew, we thought we knew what they were going to do, we got it right, and because we changed it around and did things very differently, we got the result? Or is it sort of a like, yeah, we're just going to kind of do what's worked for the U.S. in the past and try to do it a little bit better and yeah. see if that works for us? I, I wonder if like the long-term plan is still to go with the sort of the bell to shape and system of like moving the ball and getting players on the two wings and uh, trying to open up space and exploit it through, mm-hmm. through patterns of play. Um, that is still the long-term plan. But because this was a must-win game mm-hmm. in terms of making it to the next round of the CONCACAF Nations League, maybe even in terms of the reputation of U.S. soccer and the U.S. men's national team, only 13,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the stated attendance. That may include... It some, looked way fewer than that. That probably includes some tickets that were given away, but people didn't turn up, yeah. right? There was a definite lack of enthusiasm for this game, which should have been something people are enthusiastic for. Um, Unless everyone there dressed as a purple seat. That's possible. <laughs> maybe. maybe. It's possible. It's unlikely. Um, I did. I did go and see some stand-up in mm-hmm. Boston on. Uh, sorry, quick segue. Uh, not segue. Quick sidetrack mm-hmm. on Tuesday night, and it was like semi sparsely attended. It was like twenty-four people in a seventy-seat mm-hmm. room, and the best. You know, sometimes comedians would address the half-empty room. Uh, one guy thanked uh, his parents for coming dressed as chairs. <laughs> thanked his go. family for coming dressed as chairs. <laughs> um, so the the concern is that maybe this was just a. Break glass in case of emergency. We mm-hmm. have to win this game. Let's do a very uh, traditionally American soccer 4-2-3-1. Let's play in transition set pieces. 
And then next time out, we just go back to what we were trying to do to yeah. begin with. And I would be mad about that. You'd be mad about that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I am done with the front two screening the midfield two. I yeah, don't, I mean, that's the defensive system. I do not work. think that works. I do not think it's effective. Yeah. And it's great if the attacking system works. But if you never get the ball because you're constantly being torn apart by opposition midfields, it yeah. doesn't really matter what your great attacking game plan is. What if the defensive shape mm-hmm. remains uh, sort of 4-2-3-1, mm-hmm. which seemed to work a bit better, but the attacking shape still becomes, or the attacking um, plan is less about fast transitions and quick wingers and more about like moving around and trying to open up space. I mean, it, it can still be that. It can be both because there were sequences in this game. I think the lead up to the free kick for uh, the U.S.'s third goal. Um, the Aaron it, Long header? Yeah, it is like John, it's like U.S. reestablished possession. I think Weston McKinney plays it all the way back to Guzan. Guzan plays it to Brooks. Brooks plays it to Reem. Reem plays it into like Jordan Morris who lays it off. Like it is quick passing and it is still sort of like working it from right to left and around. It's not quite as like slow and dedicated and making sure we've got everybody in the right space and so like i think you can have quick passing that's based on like fluidity and it doesn't necessarily have to be like throwing one out or throwing the other out i think you could probably blend them a little bit more than we've seen the u.s do is i guess my long way of explaining that would you agree that the style of play the u.s implemented in this game against canada Mm -hmm. was not like a blending of the two but more definitely a let's go back to how the u.s used to play yeah i mean like, I doubt he would characterize it as that. Oh, I'm he would sh- definitely uh, be really angry if I suggested that. Yeah, in a press no, conference. he would definitely say it was like, no, we like adjusted our game plan. We wanted two two players in the midfield with one ahead of them to like, like he wouldn't say it was like, we just did what the U.S. has always done. Because I don't think they did. I mean, really? it wasn't. Qu- I, I really do. I think this looked like a traditional U.S. performance. I, see, the only reason why I disagree is because so many times when we had the U.S. kind of sitting and sitting and sitting and then just trying to break and counter, the goals would be a little bit fluky. There's like the uh, Clint Dempsey goal against England where it's like, a shot from, what, 20 yards out that's kind of contested, but we had a shooting opportunity, so we got to take it, and Rob Green spills it in. The goals tonight were just a bit more practiced, a bit more dedicated, a bit more technical. And to me, it speaks to some of that passing and some of that awareness and relationship has come to the forefront and has helped the U.S. get some goals. Okay, so maybe the thing that rubs off is the idea of this possession soccer, yeah. but then maybe implemented in a quick transition kind of way. Yeah. I mean, that, that would be fine. I'd be happy with that as a, as mm-hmm. a compromise at this point. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah absolutely. I, 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 but it would also mean the result of the can we play this Guardiola-ish way yeah. experiment? The answer is no. But uh, I'm not trying to be a trick. The answer has always been no. Like, we are not Man City. The United States is not Man City. The United States is not Germany. Like, we do not have the technical ability, nor do we have the depth to be able to do what Man City can do. And like, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's just... I appreciate the philosophy behind it, but being like, this philosophy is the best, and so that's what we're going to do no matter what, even if you have no way of attaining that, or very far away from attaining that, that to me is not very smart. But to sort of have that as your ultimate goal and want to get there, but to be able to say, like, right now we've got to work towards that, so we're going to kind of do the foundational building blocks. It's not just going to be like, here's how we want to do it, and we hope it works out, and we're just going to keep trying until maybe it does. But that was what I thought was going to be happening, yeah. and that was when I was ready to be really frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I am still ready to be frustrated if, to your initial question, it does end up being this was a break glass in case of emergency situation, yeah. and we go right back to it. Because I would also say like – It's we like have... a picture of Bob Bradley inside the glass. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. But like, <laughs> but like I guess I'm, I, 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 I disagree with you a little bit just because – I feel like the way you're explaining that again, I know you're making a joke, but it sounds like you're basically being like, oh, it's just like going back to what the U.S. has always done. And I, I guess I just don't, I don't even mean see it, that. I don't necessarily mean it as a negative because mm-hmm. I think it's an effective way of playing. But it's a negative if 
Berhalter really is committed to this other style of play. Uh-huh. But then it's almost like, almost like saying, okay, but when we really have to win again, yeah. forget all that. Let's okay. just do what we're good at. Yeah, okay, I can see you that. I, mean? I can see that because like, we had the conversation about, like, do the U.S. go back to what they've been doing against Cuba because it worked so well the first time. And I really hope they don't. I thought they would at first, and I've yeah. changed my mind because what's the point of doing that? Like, like, I know the idea would be like, oh, you do it against weaker teams and you play better teams, then you, like, go with a more pragmatic approach is maybe the lesson from this, but my argument would be like... better teams is Canada? Exactly. That's where I'm concerned. <laughs> like, we're not playing Cuba in a World Cup. I'm fairly confident. Yeah, I mean, well done to them if they get there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Things have changed, in which case maybe we shouldn't do that either. But, like, yeah, I don't see the point of continuing to do that against teams that you can bully, and then against teams that are slightly above that, you go back to, like, okay, now we got to just be, yeah. kick it long and hope. I mean, and the long-term goal was hopefully that mm-hmm. that style of play would be like this weird weapon that the U.S. has mm-hmm. that would um, catapult us, not catapult us, elevate us mm-hmm. um, higher than we've been able to go so far, yeah. right? So if it's not going to work against medium, strong-to-strong teams, mm-hmm. then it's not worth it's not worth investing the time in, no. right? Like, I'm sure Belter would say, I think it can work against the medium-to-strong teams, mm-hmm. but the evidence is not there yet. Is it there at all? No. Okay. Yeah, we're not there yet at all. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. When you say yet, my my idea is like that implies like, but it will get there soon. And I'm telling you, I genuinely do not believe that if you do those front two screening the center midfield two. Oh, for and the you're US talking about the defensive system. I'm yeah. talking about the possession style of play. Right? And again, I I go, like we're talking about two different things. Here. I guess we are, but to me, it's like it doesn't really matter because I don't think you can get get a possession style of play if you never have the ball. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and you're never going to have the ball but if you get overwhelmed consistently. Again, this is why I asked you the question. Mm-hmm. Like, if we have the more sensible defensive mm-hmm. setup when we get the ball, um, like, do you feel comfortable with us? Not playing in transition, but going back to okay, we're going to like move the ball backwards and from side to side, and we're going to slowly open you up. Or is it better to just say, "All right, Jordan Morris is fast, Paul Ariola is fast. They both work really hard. Let's have them like go at teams in transition." Well, see, I, I think this is where I think there's somewhere in between because this is maybe what I was I was saying when I say like I I don't quite agree with you of like let's just like boot it long. Even when I said like let's just kick it I didn't long say and boot hope. It long. Like like, but the idea of like break break Michael uh, Bob Bradley's glass that yeah. whole like like to me like if you look at some of what we saw tonight, we saw John Brooks like clearly getting the ball and wanting Jordan Morris to drop into a specific space. We saw that the first couple of minutes, he's yeah. calling Jordan Morris in. We saw that routinely from then on, that it would either be occasionally, I think he would make that dummy run to then make the run, run over the top, yeah. or sometimes we'd see him run in, but Tim Ream would then advance 10 yards really quickly for the layoff from Jordan Morris. And to me, you still saw those patterns of play, those patterns of possession. Okay. It was just a bit more direct than we've seen, and that would be okay with me. So that's the happy compromise for I you. think yeah. so, because I So am I overselling the sort of let's just play in transition thing? What do you mean? Like, because I'm saying that I think the U.S. played more in transition than in possession. No, 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 I, no. I don't think you are. I think that's okay. that's definitely accurate. I just felt like there were more there was more logic to it than I think we've seen from some U.S. teams in the past who went for that same style. That was a bit more like Jordan Morris is fast. Let's just hoof it over the top and hope. That's okay. not what we did tonight. And I'm not saying you said that either. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think that is where I'm a bit more comfortable. The thing I'm not comfortable with is I think anytime you aside from being Pep Guardiola and Man City, are saying, like, this is how it has to be every time. So even if Paul Ariola has 40 yards of space ahead of him, he's got to slow it down and find that yeah, pass Pass it back us to a midfielder <laughs> yes. and then maybe switch it over to the other wing and yeah. we'll try and open up space. And then Paul Ariola's going, mm-hmm. but the space was there! I wanted it's, to run into it. Exactly, yeah. and I think we want... Not we- that Behelter would ever tell him to do that. That's a very, like, extreme example to try and prove a point. Right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. All right, so at the very least now, as US fans, we kind of have this interesting... Um, philosophical question mm-hmm. right of how is the how is this u.s team going to play going forward i really hope someone asks greg Berhalter about this in this press conference or sometime next week i'm mm-hmm. kind of tempted to fly to 
where is it, the Cayman Islands? Mm-hmm. Uh, and ask him that question in the press conference. Um, I don't mean to end this on like a Debbie Downer note, but I would remind you that Burhalter was asked a question in the press conference on Thursday of like which players have like really risen to the occasion and, and like, like kind of stood out above the others. And you answered the question before he did and you answered it correctly. <laughs> that, he was, that he said like – Oh, guess what he was like the whole say. The whole yeah. collective has worked well and the whole, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the whole team or what – like you answered that very well. I say that just to say that I feel like you might be frustrated by his explanation of how they're going to play going forward. All right, just for fun, can we game plan this? If you wanted to get the answer to this out of Berhalter, mm-hmm. the thing we know is... You, you don't tell them your assumption. Yeah, you don't tell them mm-hmm. your assumption. You just find a way to ask him the question. How would you ask him? Um, essentially, the question you want to ask is, have you abandoned the positional play, possession um, style of play in favor of quicker transitions? He, this is... Man, this is the hard thing. Because he would say, I don't think we've done that. No, he would. I, I think this is the thing that maybe people don't realize that is difficult about asking questions to coaches is yeah. like if you lead with like so tonight you didn't do this they yeah. will automatically re- it does not matter what you say if, yeah. if you a journalist so tonight it was more about transition than possession like, no it wasn't yeah i disagree like like coaches for whatever reason never ever ever want to be told by the media this is what you did yeah, yeah. they never want to be like like think that you're operating the assumption that like we're equals when it comes to this yeah so, so part of it is as well a journalist or a podcast mm-hmm. uh, wants to um, at least boil it down to something that uh, mm-hmm. you can say in one sentence. Yeah. Whereas in a coach's head, especially a coach like Berhalter, mm-hmm. who's more academic, there's many like complicated layers to it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like if there's a, a chalkboard yeah. full of complicated math mm-hmm. and equations and everything, but actually when you like, if you solve the entire equation, it would just say two plus three equals five. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's a more complicated yeah. way of getting there yeah. because there has to be. But because, but ultimately, it boils down to two plus three equals five. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, okay, two things. First, to but your I question, would say there is no chalkboard. Exactly. <laughs> like, because you couldn't say like, "Are you going to abandon your style?" It would basically just have to be like, you have to find a way to ask. I've abandoned my style, <laughs> right? <laughs> easy, easy, Daniel. Um, like, you would have to find a way to. Basically, say, like, what was the difference between the game in Canada and the game tonight from a tactical standpoint? Mm Because otherwise he would just be like, well, we weren't up for it. We weren't as prepared for that one tonight. We were prepared. You have to make it about tactics without implying that, like, you know more than he does. So it would probably have to be like, what was different from uh, the game against Canada in Canada in terms of tactics? And should we expect those same tactics going forward? It's probably how you have to phrase it. But then it gives him space to give a vague answer. It does. It does. I mean, you could just... I hope someone from US soccer hears this. They're okay with us trying to like game plan how to ask Bowser a question. Well, I think that's fine. Uh, Because (laughs) I think the other thing that we're doing is game planning how to ask him in a press conference because the reality is you're not... Unless you're going to like grab that mic and keep going and risk getting tossed out, like you're not asking follow-ups so you can't say like did like did you all abandon your game plan tonight no we didn't moving on like you can't then follow <laughs> up um, the other thing i wanted to say though i, I thought you would appreciate this greg vanny uh spoke first at mls Cup, yeah, yeah after after toronto lost and he was clearly not thrilled to be there because they had just lost mm-hmm. his locker room was very quiet but you could see him i think because of that he wasn't really hiding anything and so like he got a question that was sort of like how you feeling and he kind of gave that reporter a look of like i know why you're here and i hate you and then he got <laughs> another question and then uh, joe lowry and i i think joe asked like a tactics question and you could just see him be like nerds like, like it was just a, like like he was not hiding his expression and it was a like nice like oh, okay you're tactics nerds yeah we did this like he like i'm but sure it, in coaches heads they categorized yeah, press exactly, into those yeah. various, but it was yeah, definitely buckets. just like you dorks anyway here was our tactics yeah he was he's a nice guy he gave good answers <laughs> all right i think we should end it on right. that note that sounds good <laughs> um all right so we will be back on monday mm-hmm. we will be i think previewing cuba but because 
in a weird way, it's not that interesting to preview Cuba. We'll also talk some, all respect to Cuba, mm-hmm. some bigger picture U.S. men's national team stuff because there'll be more stories that happen uh, over the weekend and throughout the next few days. Why are yeah. you laughing? Uh, I can't say it on air, but what you just said reminds me of one of my favorite Tony Soprano lines, which is, uh, with all due respect, this is bull. <laughs> 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 you can't be like, we're going to destroy Cuba. No disrespect to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. I mean, am I making a mistake doing no. that? I no, mean, I, I, I we, think we, it's, saw, we saw them at, um, I, at Audi Field. I was going to say this earlier. I'll just say it quickly. I think it's going to be a really ugly game. I do not think we're going to beat them 7-0. I think it will probably be a much closer scoreline because I think it will be physical and aggressive and it's the U.S. going away to a different area. That's always going always to be a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the facilities are going to be like and all that good stuff. But Helter has never won away from home with the U.S. men's national team. Mm, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy. And also, actually, You've said it. I mean, we'll save this for the actual preview, but mm-hmm. Canada beat Cuba 6 0 mm-hmm. in Canada. The away game, they won 1 0. Right. Exactly. So I would expect hopefully more than that from the U.S. And I, and I hope that they don't kind of succumb to the like, oh, the locker room isn't what we thought it would be. And there was water on the field, <laughs> a la Cuba. Uh, I'm hoping they – The AC was at 74. I was expecting 77. Right? Oh, this is inhospitable and unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> the world has never such, suffered such atrocities. Um, but I, and, and so I hope we see more of what we saw against Canada, which is fight and aggression when it's needed, mm-hmm. but then technical play and smart passing when it's also needed. I would expect the U.S. to have more possession. I hope we're not sitting back and trying to counter on Cuba. But I think it will be a more physical, ugly, and probably closer scoreline than it was in D.C. Okay. If you're looking for more soccer content in the meantime... Where where would you ever find it? Where would you ever find it? Um, In your podcast player, you could find Soccer 101. You can listen to our Johan Cruyff episode. Mm -hmm. We worked very hard on it. Please reward us by listening to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's wrap it up for tonight, though, and I'll say, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking taking all day Mm. to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again on Monday. Thank you.